Thank you for listening to the Firelife Church Podcast. For more information on Firelife Church in Irving, Texas, please visit wearefirelife.org. We pray the Lord blesses you greatly through this message. We want to, we want the Lord to just continue to break through. Amen. I just want to just put in a, a quick word from yesterday. We had our, uh, our Bible workshop. And man, it was so good. You missed out. You missed it. Don't miss the next one. I promise you it. How many would just give a hand wave? It was a good time. Good test. Like he had a, you learned something. Yeah. Even, even look at that. You got Judah was like, like Judah was not happy to be there at first. Let's be honest. And Judah had a great time. Yeah. Our, it was really cool. If you haven't come to one of our workshops, um, I would say it's, it's more fun than church. I'm telling the truth. It's more fun than church. All right. And so um, don't let words like activation scare you away from workshops. What we're, when we say activations, when we do activations and things like that, we're, we're trying to activate the part of you that's been redeemed. And we're trying to deactivate the parts that aren't. And so it's a simple thing of just saying, Lord, activate me. Yesterday was pretty cool studying the word. Um, so if you missed it, we'll, we'll do another one. We'll probably take that same lesson and redo it again for those that want to be a part of that. Um, so yeah, so would you just bow your heads? Um, I do have a one slide if you don't mind throwing that up there. And then there's references there that you can go ahead and jump to if you want to. But Father, I, again, we've, we've talked about this during the week and we pray this, that if we preach sermons and you don't show up with signs and wonders, then we didn't preach the gospel. And so, Lord, today I ask that you would help me to preach the gospel and that you would confirm your word with signs and wonders. It's non-negotiable, God. They have to go together. The words of life must produce life. Would you say that, God? Your words of life must produce life in me. Amen. If you weren't here last week, you can catch up, you know, on, on YouTube or Facebook or the podcast. We talked about a spirit of poverty, and um, I'm not going to rehash that. We, we could talk weeks on the spirit of poverty, but basically, the lesson is that a spirit of poverty is not a demon that takes control of a person. It's a way of thinking. It's a, it's a mindset that that seeps into our thoughts and then it's like leaven and it leavens the whole process. In other words, it influences every process of thinking we have. And so a spirit of poverty is being okay with less than what God says that we can have. A spirit of poverty has limited options. A spirit of poverty is hopeless. And so we prayed last week that God would begin to break off a spirit of poverty the mindset, it's, again, it's not, an, it's not a demon named poverty. It is a way of thinking. Amen? And so we have to guard our minds. Anytime we have these thoughts of this poverty thinking that creeps in, we have to stop it and do what they do in the nursery. Catch it, check it, and change it, right? Catch the thought. Is this from you, God? Check it. Is this from you, God? If it is, I want it in my heart. If it's not, I want it to go somewhere else. Change it. Catch it check it, change it. Like someone used to say, I, I, I can't help it if a bird lands on my head, but I can make sure it doesn't build a nest there. 
So I can't help sometimes the thoughts that will fly through, right? Thoughts can come from other influences other than just me. Thoughts can come in. But I have control of my thoughts. Would you say that? I have control of my thoughts. That's, that's a good word. I was saying that to Mandy this morning. Like, I have control of my thoughts. I don't have to let this overwhelm me. I have control of my thoughts, right? We have the mind of Christ. And he said to take captive every thought and make it obedient unto Christ. And so last week, we talked about the spirit of poverty. Today, I want to talk about a spirit of mammon. We don't talk about this in church a lot. And um, I just want to start here. In 3 John, there's only one chapter, but in 3 John 1 verse 2, this is, this is the prayer. Beloved, I pray that you would prosper, everyone say prosper, and be in good health. Say that, and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Like, this is God's hope for us, that we would prosper and be in good health to the measure that our soul prospers. Are y'all, y'all okay? So he wants us to prosper and be in good health even as our soul prospers. It's his desire for us. In John chapter 10, we're going to read verse 7 through 11 real quick just to set a foundation and then we'll, we'll go for it. And then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Everyone who else came was a thief or a robber. And the sheep did not hear them because I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go out and find good pasture. Everyone say amen to that. This is God's heart for us. That we would go through the door of Jesus and find good pasture. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus saying, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Come on. Now, we hit this last week. I'm going to say it again because it goes along with these two spirits are at war with the kingdom of heaven. Poverty and mammon both hate the kingdom. They're opposed to the kingdom thinking. They're, the, they're like at war with the kingdom. And so they war with our souls to stop us from connecting with the kingdom thinking, with the mind of Christ. And the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us abundance. Now, we hit this last week. I'm going to say it again. Prosperity does not mean you have a huge bank account. It can add to your bank account, but that's not what it means. Prosperity means I am in a right relationship with God I am obeying his commands and I reap the benefits of obedience. I I think I'm going to write that down somewhere because that's my new definition of prosperity. I am in right relationship with God. I'm obedient to his commands. And because of that, I reap the benefit of relationship with him. That's prosperity. So I can prosper in any situation. If I'm connected to God, I'm obeying what he told me to do, then I reap the benefit that comes from being in relationship with him. We used this last week. Paul said, I know what it means to be poor and I know what it means to be rich. I can do all things through Christ. That's prosperity. So here's the thing. Some people can't handle poverty and some people can't handle wealth. So either one can kill you. Either one can steal your soul. Either one can become an idol. Amen? 
Look at Matthew 6, 24 real quick. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Why don't you say that with me? No one can serve two masters. So no one can serve poverty in God. No one can serve mammon in God. For either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be loyal to one and despise the other. And he says, you cannot serve both God and mammon. In the same way that uh, poverty is not a spirit that takes hold of us, like possession, mammon is also not a spirit that takes possession of us. It is a way of thinking that infiltrates our life and it affects us. Now, I'm gonna say this. This sermon came out of a prayer session a couple of weeks ago, right here, literally right here. I was praying and I was like, Lord, what, what is the wet blanket that I'm feeling in the atmosphere at Firelife? I was just being honest, praying. And he said, mammon and poverty. And I was like, okay, teach me about that. I wanna know about that. That's why I'm preaching this, because the Lord wants to set people free. He wants to set us free from a way of thinking that disconnects us from kingdom thinking. And poverty and mammon will disconnect us from God. Amen? So a, so a spirit of mammon is a lie that we have believed. It is a lie that we have believed. And remember last week, we spent quite a bit of time on this. We cannot believe lies and not be tortured. When we believe lies, we will be tortured by them. It's impossible to believe a lie and not be tortured. And we use the example of the world we live in today, trying to lie and say there are more than two genders and saying there are all different kinds of families and there's all different ways to God and that we have, we have um, evolved where we don't need the past any longer. We will mark our future, our future roads on our own strength, the humanism stuff. And what's happened is, is we've, we've believed this lie and you wonder why the suicide rate and why the mental illness thing is so high it's because culture can't believe lies and not be tortured. The only solution to the torture that the world is, is experiencing right now is that the truth of Jesus Christ is preached. But I want to say this. There are so many of us that live day to day, week to week, and sit in the seats of a church and we're tortured. And we don't even realize it sometimes. Or we just deal with it. There are aches and pains that I have. Come on, as we get older, like, oh my goodness, I didn't, even, I didn't even know that was a part of the body, but it hurts now, right? And we just kind of deal with it. Like, well, that's just life, you know? That's just the way. To, we do that spiritually in the church. Like, I'm being tortured right now, but it's okay. I, I, can, I, can, I can do all things. We'll even misquote scripture. I can do all things and we'll accept torture that is from me believing a lie. And we don't lean into God and say, God, why am I being tortured? Why is there sickness, pain? The thief, why is a thief showing up in my life, God? Show me. Somewhere I've missed a, a, a door. I've left a window open, something. And it's always a lie that has allowed the enemy to come in because he's the father of lies. And when we believe a lie, we empower the liar. And he wants to torture us. 
the spirit of mammon, right? Let's, let's see this. It is the enemy to a prosperous soul. It attaches itself. This, this is written up here. So this, this is really important. We under, This is why I put it up here. This is one of the most important things I'll say today. A spirit of mammon attaches itself to money. It attaches itself to possessions. It attaches itself to wealth. And it tries to influence people to trust in it instead of God. A spirit of mammon will come in and try to get me to trust the savings that I have set aside more than I trust God. Or the budget that I've built so beautifully and spent so much time. I've color coordinated. I made it an Excel spreadsheet. I spent all this time thinking I'm so smart and I trust my spreadsheet instead of God. And I'm not saying be foolish. No, he says steward well what you have. And if you steward it well, you'll be given more. But my trust is not in my spreadsheet, my budget, my savings account, my 401k. My trust isn't my paycheck I get from my job. If I trust in those things or those, here's what I mean by this. If those things are what give me peace, then I've trusted in it instead of God. If I have more peace, if I have more money, then I'm trusting in money instead of God. If I have more peace when I have more control over my money, then I am trusting in myself and my money instead of God. That's a spirit of mammon. It doesn't mean that money, possessions, wealth, it doesn't mean these things are wicked. Why do you think the enemy would want to attach an evil spirit to, to those things? Because in the hands of a righteous person, they're a weapon. <sighs> Come on. Don't tell me that money isn't a weapon in the hands of a righteous person. Look at just the last hundred years of missions, missionaries alone, just in the hundred years the gospel has been preached to almost every nation, every language on the earth in the last 100 years. How did that happen? There was a prosperity that came over the nation of America and other nations of the world. And we felt like, I can't go, but I can send my money because it belongs to God. And I'm going to send my money and people are going to get saved because I sent my money. It became a weapon. The enemy wants to steal the weapons from us. Not just your gifts, not just your talents, not just your spiritual weapons. He wants to steal the, the, the good things God adds to our lives for us to steward. He wants to steal them because in the hands of a righteous person, they're a weapon. Oh, come on. And mammon wants to attach itself. Oh, it makes me angry. It makes me angry. And the thing that you have to understand, I have to understand a spirit of mammon is a devourer. It devours whatever it attaches itself to. It is never happy. It is never satisfied. It is backed by a lustful spirit. And it wants more and more and more. And we feed it and we feed it and we feed it and we feed it. You know, I was, I, I'm a big fan of Josh Gates. Anyone out there know just that name? If you do, then you're my friend. There's a, it's Expedition Unknown. Anyone ever seen that on Discovery? I love, Hank is Josh Gates. Like he just reminds me of Josh Gates. Anyway, I love this show. And 
he goes all over the world. He goes to these really cool places. I'm jealous. I'm like, can I just carry your bags and go with you? Like, I want to go. And so he was in Tibet and, and these places, and he was going into these, these, these Buddhist monasteries. They were, they were up in the mountains in Nepal and Tibet, and he, they hadn't been seen in hundreds of years. And he walks in, and there are all these idols to the, to the gods that they worship, to, to Buddha and all these gods. And every single one of them, in their left hand, it was like this with a plate, Every one of them. And even Josh Gates was like, look at, look at him. He's kind of amazed. Like, this is archaeologically, this is really cool to find this. He goes, and every single one of them is demanding the sacrifice. That's mammon. It puts his hand out as an idol and says, give me, give me, give me. I'm going to take your strength. I'm going to steal it from you. I'm going to take your wisdom. I'm going to steal it from you. I'm going to take the money that you put in bags and I'm going to cut holes in the bags and I'm going to steal it from you. Give me my sacrifice. It's a spirit of mammon. And America is under the influence of mammon and poverty. Poverty is where we look for someone else to help us. Mammon is like, I'm gonna take care of myself. I don't need anyone else. I trust in me. And we chase after money. It's why I put that picture, that goofy little cartoon up there. Because mammon sticks that little carrot of money in front of us, of, of possession, of wealth, of fill in the blank, of safety, whatever we would call safety. I have a nest egg. I have this for retirement. It puts it out there and gets us to chase after it. And then he steals it from us because he's a devourer. You guys okay? How do I know mammon is a devourer? Because in Malachi 3 verse 8 tells us this. This is not the central message for today, but you cannot talk about poverty and mammon and not talk about the tithe that belongs to God. You can't do it. I would be a horrible pastor if I talked about poverty and mammon and didn't say the starting point is the tithe. It belongs to God, period. And I'll say this again for everyone to hear me. You know me. The church doesn't need your money. I need to give God my money out of obedience. It's for me. It is not for the church. It's not to have staff or salaries. or It's not for that. It is literally for the Lord. And Malachi 3.8 says, will a man rob God? Malachi 3.8, will a man rob God? How many of you would ever think, man, I'm going to go rob God? <laughs> I'm going to sneak in and I'm going to steal from him. Yet you have robbed me. You're like, whoa, wait a second. How have we robbed you, God? And he said, in your tithes and your offerings. Wow. And he says, because of it, you're cursed with a curse. I didn't write this. This is the word of God. You're cursed with a curse. In other words, you have invited the devourer into your life because you've robbed me. Even this whole nation, it says. He says, bring the tithe, the whole tithe, into the storehouse that there may be bread in my house. Come on. Everyone say bread. What is the bread in the Bible? Jesus, the bread from heaven, that if we eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, then we, have, we, have a, we partake in his inheritance. And he says, if you'll obey me in this, come on, then there will be bread and food in the house. Try me, he says, test me and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out on you blessings that you cannot even contain. And then look at verse 11, Malachi 3, verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Not for the Levites, the priests, the temple, the church, the pastors, I, Jesus, will stand up 
as the commander of the army of God. Come on. And he will rebuke the devourer for our sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. And that the, the vine will bear fruit for you in the field. This is the word of God. So how do we break the spirit of mammon? We do the first things first. And we do that thing. <clears throat> Last week we talked, we talked about being captured. The term that's thrown around a lot of places now. Again, it's a marketing thing, but it's also a political thing. Uh, the, the world system wants to capture the audience. And they want to cut down your options to where you have to go through them. We use the cable network or news networks like used to, you know, there was only three, there was ABC, NBC, and CBS or whatever. And now there are all these other news networks and we think, oh, we've got options. We really don't. They're still owned by the same two or three companies. And, and that's what captured looks like. It's like, oh, I thought I had an option over here. I'm gonna run and I'm gonna listen to this thing or I'm gonna feed on this thing. And I didn't even realize it was under the same ownership as the other thing. That's what it looks like to be captured. And a spirit of mammon wants to capture us so that we think we're making choices, so that we think that we're free. And we go and we do this thing, but what he's done is he's closed off all the exit ramps and he's captured us. And a spirit of mammon wants to take control of our life. In, in Mark 10, let's go here real quick. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. <clears throat> Everybody still okay? Okay, Mark 10, 17. Now, as he was going out on the road, uh, one man came running and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what should I do to inherit? Inherit, listen to this. He didn't say, what must I do to be saved? Really, interesting wording here. When you really think about what's going on here, this is a rich man who comes to Jesus and he goes, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Inherit. He knows money. He understands money. He's not asking, what do I need to do to be saved? Anyway, and Jesus says, why do you call me good? <laughs> No one is good except for the one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud your neighbor. Honor your father and mother. And this rich young ruler, rich man, said to him, teacher, ooh, he's excited now. I can see him. He's praying, oh yeah, I got a hundred. I've done all of these things since I was a little boy. And then Jesus, looking at him, <laughs> loved him. You hear this? Jesus looked at him with love. And he said to him, but you're lacking one thing. Now, as a rich person who lacks nothing, Jesus just took the sword and stabbed him and says, you lack one thing. Well, wait a second. I don't like anything. Have you seen my house? Have you seen my treasury? Look, I don't lack anything. I'm talking about inheritance here. I don't lack anything. And he, Jesus says, because I love you, I'm gonna tell you the truth. You lack one thing. Go and sell whatever you have and give it to the poor. And then you will have treasures in heaven. 
and come and take up your cross and follow me with the others. And the man was sad at this word, and he went away with sorrow because he had great possessions. And the disciples are watching this, and they're like, oh my goodness, who can be saved then? (laughs) If a rich person who has no needs can get anything they want anytime they want because they have a key that can open almost every door, either with money, power, or influence, then who can be saved? And Jesus tells them, with men, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So what's the point? A spirit of mammon can make us feel like we have everything under control. It can make us feel like we're safe, like we're the ruler of our own life. But Jesus pointed out, if you really want to have eternal life and inherit eternal life, you have to get rid of all the things that help you get your way all the time. He was using a key on Jesus. And Jesus is like, yeah, that key doesn't work on me. I'm a different door. You don't use your power, your influence, your mammon to open this door. You have to give up. You have to surrender. You have to lay down what your possessions are. You have to give up what your idol is. Get rid of the stuff that is, that is the fruit of you being your own ruler. Why did he leave sad? Because he wasn't willing to change. That's why he left. Because he wasn't going to do what Jesus asked him to do. And it was a difficult thing Jesus asked of him. That's what mammon will do to us. We will come before, like, uh, do you realize who God is and how we approach him sometimes? Like we call it prayer and we come to him and we're basically giving him orders. Like, hey God, look, I got a problem here. This is how we're gonna handle it. Will you make that happen for me? Like, hey God, I I wanna inherit. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? I've got everything covered. Just tell me the thing, the one thing I can do. What investment strategy, what principle can I apply to my life? My discipline can I stir up within myself to get to where I want to go without you? And Jesus is like, there is no life apart from me. Like when we, when we come before God with needs, we must come before him like this. God, you are the only source for life. You are the only source of favor, of prosperity, of healing, of benefit. I have no other source but you. So I'm coming to you with humility. And we pray and we ask for things because we've been captured by a spirit of mammon. And we even sometimes ask God and pray for things so that we'll feel better. So that we will feel safe. Okay, God, things are going really well. But there's this one thing that keeps me up at night. Listen, there's this one thing, like, I don't worry about this, I don't worry about that, but man, this one thing, I do worry about it. And Shigun was saying the lesson this morning in class was worrying is a sin, and I agree 100%. He's like, there's only this one thing. Man, if, if, if my marriage was this way, or if my job was this, or if, 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 
I could go down the list personally. If I, if I had this thing, if, if I lived here, if I did this, if we had this thing answered in our life, then we would be good. Everything would be great. And we come before God, almighty God, and we bring this story to him. God, everything's going great. I love this. You've been so good to me there. We butter him up. You're so faithful. You're so good. Look at all the benefits of my, but this one thing I'm really worried about God, and we're such spoiled brats. I'm, oh, me. And we approach God who holds our breath in his hands. And we bring our list like the rich young ruler. And we're like, can you help me sleep at night? I just have this one worry. Can you solve this court case for me? It's just my only worry. I'm good everywhere else, but this. Come on. And Jesus looks at us with love. He says, if you really want peace, you got to give that to me. Because that thing has your heart. That thing's captured you. It has attached itself to you. And what you don't know, and this is what Jesus is saying to all of us, what we don't realize is how it has devoured our life. How it has, has um, eroded the favor, the benefit, the blessing, all the things he's poured into our life, he's eroded it from us because we've let the devourer come in. And the only solution to it is surrender to God. It's submission to God. It is giving full control. It's saying, God, yes, I have all of these things that I feel responsible for because you've given them to me. And that's a great, that's awesome. I wish that all of us would feel, I wish we'd get back to teaching that in the American culture again. Like, do, what you're, do the right thing. Work hard. Treat people well. And you'll, pro, you'll do well. Like, I wish we would do that. And, but, but God's trying to tell us, look, it's more than just that. It's, I need your heart. We've tried to, to have this prosperity. We've tried to have life apart from God. And America has, has allowed both poverty and mammon to attach itself to us. And it, guess what? I think it's worse in the church. I really do. Look, I, Come on. I'm a preacher so I can talk about us. Almost everything that we have preached in the last 40 or 50 years is such crap. I'm sorry. That's the only word. I can, that's what it is. It's dung. Better word. Dung. It's in the Bible. I can use it. Dung. It's dung. Because it's been this me, me, me. God do for me. Prosper me. Bless me. We sing songs about it that aren't even biblical. Like, bless me, God. We, we take scriptures and say, you know, you know, good Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. God will pour into us. Read the context there. Like he's not talking about pouring money into our wallet till it pours out. He's saying, if you judge someone else, that's how God's gonna judge you. But he's not just gonna do it in that measure. He's gonna do it good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. How you judge others, it's gonna come back to you. Whoa, different meaning. We've taken these words and attached it and, and we've undermined the truth that we will prosper if we follow God. We've taken a beautiful message and made it so cheap. Because mammon has grabbed our hearts 
And it's about buildings and money and possessions and insulating ourselves from need. That's where we're gonna end today. Mammon is me insulating myself from need. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see God. What's that? Blessed are those who acknowledge their need for God, for they will see him. And the rich young ruler was like, I'm not in need. How many times have we come before God and been like, I'm not in need. And we want to insulate ourselves from it. But the best thing for the church, for us, to feel right now is great need for God. We need that more than we need anything. I want to see miracles. I want to see signs and wonders. I want to see people baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to see dead people raised, all that stuff. Man, that sounds like what we're supposed to be doing. He told us to do those things. I want to see all of it. But the thing we need more than anything in the church is a fear of the Lord. Fear him. It's the beginning of wisdom. And that means I need you, God. I say it a lot of times. I don't have this. I don't, I don't got this, God. I don't. I don't. I, I, I tell, like, there are some things you do in life so repetitively that you're almost like, I can do this. Like this year, all right, this is crazy. Like, this, is, this is 30 years of full-time ministry. This year will be for me. 30, crazy, I can't believe it. Little 18-year-old dumb Jared and now 48-year-old dumb Jared preaching week after week after week. And, I, and I, if I think I could just step up here and preach the gospel, no, I can't. How many years have you been leading worship? Kyle, Lance, you guys, 20 years plus? If we think ever we could step up here and play this instrument and sing and call it worship to God and not need him, God help us. Oh, I can take up the offering. I can pray for the sick. No, we have to lean on him. This is what Fire Life needs more than anything right now. We need to recognize our need for God and then give control to him. If we try to save our life, we will lose it. But if we surrender our life, deny ourselves, pick up our cross. Come on, it's the same message. If we will surrender our, our life, we will gain it. And his life is abundant life. I have so much more, but I'm done. Would you stand with me? There will be a part three. Uh, we'll see, maybe, Lord willing. Um, will you do me a favor, just bow your head and close your eyes, and can we, like, purposely posture our heart in humility right now? Can we, can we all do this? Can we all connect our heart to, to our need for God? Can you stir that up inside of you now? God, I need you. I do. I need you more. 
I need you more. I need you more than I've ever needed you, God. I don't want any other gods before you. I need you, God. Yeah, let's just do that. Let's keep doing that. That's what he needs. That's what he wants. God, we need you. We are poor in spirit. We have nothing. We need you, God. I don't want to insulate myself from my need for you. I don't want to drug myself or numb my life to where I feel like I don't need you. We need you, God. I need you. Yeah, come on. Why don't you just keep talking to him? That's it. This is perfect. Now, if you, like, you do this right where you are. Like, if you feel like, man, I have, I have had other things. Money, possession, comfort, savings. And I've gotten my peace from those things instead of God. Would you just repent where you are? Just ask the Lord. Tell him, tell him you're sorry. It's a great place to start. But God, I'm sorry for thinking there was anywhere else to look for life. We trust in you, God. I renew my trust in you. Yeah, come on. I break agreement with the lie of mammon. If you've been captured by mammon, break agreement. Break agreement with the lie of mammon. And we break agreement now. We cut the lies out that try to influence and attach themselves. God, dig mammon out of my life. Come on.
Yeah, God, we repent for believing the lie of mammon. We've been teaching Levi what it means to repent, like apologize and make things right. So I'm just going to use an example here, okay? Real, real short. He has a device called a switch that he just loves. And he told the story, got his switch taken away from him because he lied. He was really upset about that. He was really upset that he didn't have his switch. And so we're talking to him about repentance and he's like, I'm like, buddy, you really need to feel sorry for what you did. And you need to, you need to want to do the right thing next time. He's like, but I do feel sorry. And I'm like, buddy, you only feel sorry because you lost your switch. And he's like, no, I feel sorry. I was like, no. I said, okay, let me ask you a question. If I brought your switch to you right now and just gave it to you, how would you feel? And he started smiling and he goes... I'd, I'd feel sorry. I was like, nobody, you'd feel happy. You got your switch back. I said, repentance is when I feel sorry that I did the wrong thing, not that I lost the thing I wanted. Like, I need to feel sorry that I didn't have God's mind about this. And that's what repentance looks like. We need to feel a conviction. We need to feel there is a godly sorrow that does lead to repentance. And we do need to have, we need to have moments in our day where we're like, man, I really, I can't, why did I do that thing? God, I'm so sorry that I lied to you. I'm so sorry I trusted in something else than you. Forgive me for that, God. Forgive me that I could even think of trusting in something other than you. So God, that's where we are now. We repent for trusting in anything other than you. We're so sorry. After you've been so good, after you've watched over us, Lord, in every season of life, whenever we were serving you and when we didn't even know you, you watched over us. How could we spit in your face and put our trust in anything else, even ourselves? So God, forgive us for not trusting in you and entrusting in other things. Now, step two to this, God, we're going to purposely trust you. We're going to practice trusting you. And our life is going to be the fruit of our repentance because you're going to see where we've made a choice in a moment to trust you instead of other things. Pray one more thing and we'll open the altar for anyone that wants prayer. Let's ask the Lord to break the spirit of mammon, to just break its hold on us. As you'll see in part three, there's a thing it holds, it, it keeps from us that the Lord wants to give us. So Father, we ask that you would break the stranglehold of poverty and mammon off the people of fire life, off the families 
off anyone who's ever been connected to this house, God. We ask you bless them. We ask that you remove the torture from their lives. We ask that they would prosper and be in good health as their soul prospers. God, anyone who's ever been part of this church, we bless them. We ask that you would fight for them, that you would defend them, that you would rise up as their protector, as their shield, that you would rebuke the devourer from their door, that you would guard their fields, that you would guard their crops, that you would guard their families, their homes, that you, God, would rise up as Jehovah Jireh, the provider. And God, we ask that you would break the hold that this lie of poverty and this lie of mammon has had on the people of this house and upon this house itself. We break it right now. Come on. We see you. We see you, poverty. You have no authority here. We see you, mammon. You have no authority here. You are no longer hidden in the dark. You have been brought into the light. And the word tells me that whatever we bring to the light becomes light. You have been transformed. You are no longer allowed. Your services are no longer needed. Would you bless the person next to you? Would you just pray over them? I know I've gone really long. Thank you for being patient. Would you just pray over and bless them? If you want prayer for anything, we want to pray for you here at the front or in an aisle somewhere. Thank you for being here. May you prosper. May you be in good health. May the torture end. In Jesus' name.